Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. This is John the Baptist talking, and he says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with air. Skip down to verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When Jesus had been baptized, Jesus immediately from the water, and behold, heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, to whom I am well Please jump with me now to the book of John. We're going to the third chapter. This is the last passage that I'm going to read, and we're going to dive into what's for us. John chapter 3, and the second verse reads as follows. And after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing in Anon Lim, because there was much water there. I love how practical that is. Unbaptized, because there was a lot of water there. Just Anyway, just little things that tickle me. Because there was so much water there, and they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. A little foreshadowing about what's going to happen. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, talking about Jesus now, to whom you have testified, behold, is baptizing and all are coming to him. They're, they're saying, John, there's more people wanting to get baptized by Jesus than want to get baptized by you. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. I have been sent before him. He who the bride, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. I love that. I love the fact that John didn't get envious. I love the fact that John like scrolled through Instagram and didn't like on the page. You know what I'm saying? I love the fact that John didn't let any resentment soak in when he found out that more people were lining up for Jesus. He said, therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. You ought to want to celebrate when other people are winning, right? You ought to want to celebrate when other people are being blessed. Amen. You ought to want not get envious about that. You want to be able to say, you know what? It brings me joy to see what's happening in that person's life. That's not my sermon, but that's for free. Okay. He must increase but I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought, the order of increase. The order of 
increase. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day and all the incredible things that are happening, especially God, for what's about to happen. We are so full because we get to witness people that are making a decision to put their in you and go public. Hey, Lord God, are following you for the rest of their lives. So today, Father, just rest over this place. You're already here, but we could take a little more of you, Father. So just fill this place. God's spirit move in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Clap your hands one last time, Lighthouse. You may be seated. The order of increase. Getting things done in order is kind of important, right? There are some things that need to be done in order. And when things need to be done in order, it's important that you do them in order. And uh, how many people in the room do we have that will admittedly say that you're a bit of a control freak, you got OCD, and things need to be done in order? Come on. Loud and proud. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. My people. I'm a little bit of that too. Like if there's an order, follow the order. Don't step out of order. You're not special, okay? Like follow the order. But, uh, but you know, some of you are a little more free-spirited and, and you care less. But, but when I think about people who get very obsessive with order, it's funny because you can mess with them a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like you can intentionally do something and mess with the order and you get them all razzed up. For example, what would happen if you went to New Yo or some other frozen yogurt? Doesn't New Yo sound good, right? Right now it's kind of warm. Yeah, I just gave you some lunch tips right there. But um, imagine going to get frozen yogurt and you get your cup and you put the toppings in first, right? All the people with OCD are like, no, you don't do that. You put the yogurt first. You don't put the toppings first. The order kind of matters, doesn't it? Imagine running on a treadmill before you hit the start button. That wouldn't end too well, right? You got to hit start before you start running. How many of you, when you get up to make yourself a bowl of cereal for yourself or for your kids, put the milk in before you put the cereal? No, you don't do that, right? You gotta put the cereal in before you put the milk in. And as funny as that sounds, some of y'all like tweaked when I said that. Like, you better not mess with my cereal. Like, no, no, no. We gotta put the cereal in before we put the milk in. And um, again, I I love order. I love things being done in order. And I think in the scriptures, we see some of that. And that's really what I wanna point you to as we continue our talk, not just about increase, but also about baptism. And in our scriptures today, we read one of the most significant, if not the most significant baptism. It's only like second to your baptism, okay? I'm kidding. But, but, uh, but Jesus was baptized. And when Jesus was baptized, there was this connection that happens between Jesus and his cousin John. How many know that John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin? I mean like real cousin, real cousin. Like, like not just thinking I'm close to Jesus. No, this was like by blood, his first cousin. And so we get this story of John the Baptist and Jesus. John the Baptist's role was to prepare the way for Jesus. And he would be in the wilderness preaching and teaching. And he would say this to everyone that would come to be baptized of him. He would say, there's someone who's coming after me who's greater than there's someone who's coming after me and I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. Now he had to clarify this because John taught with so much authority that some people were starting to look at John and think maybe this is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. John was very clear. He articulated it very well. There's someone coming after me who is greater. There's someone coming after me, sandals I'm not worthy to carry. So guess what happens one day? John is rising in the Jordan River, and here comes cousin Jesus, okay? Here comes cousin Jesus. And in that moment, he gets divine revelation. The reason I say in that moment is because they were cousins. They grew up together, and John never made this proclamation until this moment right here at the Jordan. Jordan River. 
John had played ball with Jesus. John had hung out with Jesus, but never had he said, whoa, 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 wait a sec. This is the one I've been talking about. But it happened here at the Jordan. When Jesus comes down to be baptized, John pops and he just stops. Everyone around him is probably looking at John like, What's wrong? Is, is, is he okay? Is, 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 did he step on a rock? I mean, wh- why is he not baptizing? And John makes this declaration to Jesus, and he says, I, I can't baptize you. Uh, I need to be baptized of you. He understood right in that moment who Jesus was. But, but look at Jesus' response. Jesus doesn't gawk down and say, I know, I'm the one you've been talking about. Surprise, John. I'm really the Messiah all this time. You just thought you were my cousin. He doesn't do any of that. He says, this needs to be done in order to fulfill all righteousness. This needs to be done in order to fulfill everything that God commands of us. Now, now John took some convincing, but eventually the Bible says that he said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and permit you to be baptized. And so John baptizes Jesus right there in the Jordan River. And when that happens, I mean, talk about confirmation. It was one of those things where you had to be there. Everybody ever heard someone say, you just had to be there. It's, it's just the way that I describe it to you, you, you just had to be there. And that's what happened because the Bible records that the heavens opened up. And then all of a sudden, the the Spirit of God descended and sat upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And if that wasn't enough, they heard this loud billowing voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, now that was about as much confirmation as you're going to get. If after all of that, you still don't believe, I don't know what it's going to take for you to believe. But everyone around witnessed that. And they thought to themselves, my God, this really is the Messiah. But here's what happens. After that's done, Jesus doesn't start a channel. (laughs) That's done. Jesus doesn't go try to get a mark on his Instagram account. After that's done, Jesus disappears and he goes to the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. So they don't hear from him. They don't hear from him at all. And there might have been some doubt where some people are like, you know, maybe that wasn't him because I expected more. I kind of expected something to happen. But that guy, John's cousin, I mean, he's just gone. Maybe John was confused. What about everything we saw? I I don't know, but Jesus is gone. And and so months would pass by before Jesus finally reemerges because he's up in the wilderness teaching. He's up in the wilderness praying and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He makes his way down to the local synagogue where he begins to teach, reveals who he is. And then more days would pass by and he starts to assemble his team of disciples. This all didn't happen in a day. This happened over days, weeks, months. And finally, after all of that, now Jesus is starting to baptize. Finally, after all of that, now Jesus is starting to move forward with his earthly ministry. So when we get to John chapter three, when we get to this passage of scripture where John's disciples come up to him and they say, hey, John, your cousin is baptizing and he's got a longer line than you. Come on, don't you just hate those kind of people? Don't you just hate those people that come? Feel the need. They feel like they are anointed to come and bring you the bad news. I hate people like that. I shouldn't say that. I really dislike people like that, where they just feel anointed to come and tell you. It's like people that come, pastor, the coffee's kind of weak today. I'm like, then go find another that has better coffee. You ain't going to find nothing better. It's people that always want to complain, and they came, hey, John, your cousin Jesus has a longer line than you. I love John's posture. John begins to tell them, this is what I said was going to happen. This is what I have been preaching to you guys. I baptize you unto repentance. Somebody say repentance. 
John's baptism was only to get them to the place of repentance. Baptism was unto repentance. What repentance? Repentance is turning from the direction that you are walking in and solely focusing and solely walking towards Jesus. That's what it means when you you forsake everything else in your life that is pulling you away from Jesus, and now you focus all of your efforts to following Jesus. The best way to describe this is to do a 180. So, so if this pulpit right here represents getting closer to Jesus, some of you are going in this direction and repentance means I am doing a 180 and now I am walking solely and focused and straightwardly towards Jesus. And we got people that are saying that today through baptism that I am moving towards Jesus. Let's give it up for everyone that is making a decision today to move towards Jesus. That's what repentance is. Don't make it any more than it needs to be. Remember, we towards Christ, and as Christ increases in our life, there's things that are going to change. There's things, there's things that, that should change, but make no mistake, repentance is simply saying, I'm no longer going in that direction. I'm going in this direction. Everything else is going to happen, and it's going to happen, but we're going to seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness, and then all these things are going to be added. So repentance turning from where I was going, now walking towards Jesus. But I know some of you in this room, you're thinking, well, Pastor Josh, I'm, I'm not really going at a 180. I'm kind of more like 35. Like, I'm following Jesus-ish. You know what I mean? I go to church on Sunday, but I like to get lit in the club. I, I come to church on Sunday, but I got my little stuff that I like to do. So it's not like 180, Pastor Josh. You're so dramatic. It's not 180, Pastor Josh. It's more like 35, you know. I, I still kind of serve them on the weekends, but I get a little turned up during the week. You know, Pastor Josh, it's not that bad. So it's more like 35, Pastor Josh. Don't be so dramatic. Well, here's the problem with that line of thinking. Even if you're moving in 35 degrees away from him, in the process of time, if you keep walking in a third degree angle, the, d- the gap between you and him is going to keep getting wider and wider and wider. The gap between you and him is going to get larger and larger and larger. And one day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize that you've been living a life apart from Christ. One day you're going to wake up and realize because he wasn't your sole focus, one day you're going to realize that because he wasn't your priority, you allowed yourself to get into relationships, you allowed yourself to get into circumstances and situations that never would have happened if he was your so focused. So sometimes the repentance isn't just this drastic 180, but you got to ask yourself, just because it's good doesn't mean that it's God. And I can't do what's good at the expense of God. I need to make God the priority because when I focus on God, he's going to order my steps. Can I get a better amen in this tent? We got people today that aren't in 35 degree angles. They are moving directly towards Christ. This is what Paul talked about when he said, forgetting everything that's behind me and reaching forward to me, I press towards the prize of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. You repentance is saying 35 ain't enough, 15 ain't enough. I need all of him. That, that, that's what repentance is. And this is what John did. He was bringing people to this place where they were solely focused on Christ. But let me give you the first point. If you're taking notes, write this down. Repentance was never meant to be the ending. 
the reason why John's baptism took them so far and then he had to hand the baton off to Jesus is because Jesus came to give them more than just repentance. When Jesus would arrive, more than just getting their hearts and their minds focused on what he was going to do, John said it this way, I baptized you unto repentance. But listen, Jesus is coming and he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit and he's gonna baptize you with fire. Come on, is anybody fired up about the Holy Spirit in this? Is anybody fired up about the fire that God brings into our lives? This is what John told him. He said, look, I could only take you so far, but Jesus has to come because he's taking you to a place that I can't take you. And so John joyfully passed off that baton knowing that I could get you so far, but Jesus is coming after me and he's going to take you, take you places that I couldn't take you. So repentance was never meant to be the ending, but can I tell you that's the place to start? Can I tell you that that's the place you need to get to? Listen, if you are here today and you have never been baptized and today you would like to get water baptized, you can get baptized today immediately following our services. It's going to happen. Now, I know some of you getting real logistical, Pastor. I ain't got no shorts. I ain't got no shirt. We got everything for you, okay? I got flip-flops. I got towels. I, I got some underwears. Hopefully, they're in your size. I got everything for you. Those of you that want to make that turn today, today is the day that you can turn. Listen, I would hate for you to walk out of here missing the moment to get baptized because you thought, I can be good-ish, and God is calling you to follow him. God is calling you to follow him. And, and, and so today we got to get you to repentance. Can I, but can I talk to you about the other place that God needs to get you to? Can I get you to the other place that God needs to get you to? Because this is why Christ came. This is why Jesus came. John said he's going to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody neighbor and tell them Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the Greek is called the paraclete. The paraclete means our helper our helper. The reason that God fills us with power of the Holy Spirit is because after repentance, he knows that temptation doesn't die. After baptism, he knows that your friends with bad intentions are still going to be around. After baptism, he knows you're still going to have the proclivity to want to do the things that used to pull you away from God. After baptism, those addictions don't instantaneously die without the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is available for you today because in and of your own strength, you probably aren't strong enough. But when the Holy Spirit gets on the inside of you, I said when the Holy Spirit gets on the inside of you, when you allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what it begins to do is supernaturally destroy strongholds that have held you bound. The Holy Spirit will supernaturally end addictions that you might have lived with your entire life. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to overcome all of those habits and all of those hangups that you've had to live through. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and helps you to do the things that you couldn't do in and of yourself. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes in and it empowers you. You know, I've grown up in the Pentecostal church my entire life. The Holy Spirit doesn't come into your life simply to give you a heavenly language. Too many people just stop at that. Well, as long as I speak in tongues, I'm okay. Not if it's not changing you. Not if you still got bad addictions. Not if you still have these bits that haven't been broken. Not if there has an external change that marks the internal change that God has done on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit, when it has filled your life, it is going to mark you. And you're going to start talking different. You're going to start walking different. You're going to start behaving differently. 
Pastor Josh, you preaching behavior modification? Not at all. But I do know that when Jesus gets on the inside of you, when the power of the Holy Spirit so fills you, you can't help but be a different person. You can't help but be a different person. Repentance is where John brought people to. But then Jesus comes and he fills people with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that breaks chains, destroys strongholds, and, will, and you'll experience true freedom. This is why at our church we want people to know God. That's baptism. But we also want people to find freedom. And the Holy Spirit helps you to get free. Some of you might be thinking, but I thought when I you know, made a decision to follow Jesus, that that would take care of everything. Here's the deal. You can get out of sin, but next you got to get this of you. And that's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like that old saying, you can get the girl out the hood, but you can't get the hood out the girl. <laughs> Sometimes it's like that with sin. You can get out of a lifestyle of sin, but now you've got to get the sin out of you. You have got to get the effects of sin out of you. Sometimes the effects of sin is that you can't forgive the person who hurt you. I mean, you'll say, but you're still nasty whenever they come into the room. You still can't show up to the family reunion because they're there. Holy Spirit needs to come in and help you to overcome those things. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you rise above all of that. Come on, how many of y'all want an increase in life? This is why John said, no, no, I'll get you to repentance. But, but Jesus comes and, and he gives you the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't stop there. He says he also gives you fire. I love that right there. He says he also gives you fire. Like I said a minute ago, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And so I grew up seeing all kinds of stuff. Come on, how many people grew up in a Pentecostal church? You saw all kinds of stuff growing up. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're, we're speaking the same language right now. I used to think that the person that prayed in tongues the loudest, they're on fire. They're praying loud, like very loud. Freak me out every time they start speaking in tongues. Pastors preaching, and they start running their mouth in tongues. Completely out of order, but man, they're fired up. I used to think the guy that prayed a lot was so full of fire. I mean, this guy prays eight hours a day. He ain't got a job, but he's full of fire, Right? Right? I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that's what I used to think. I used to think if, if the guy up when the preacher was preaching, he's full of fire. Or the guy that would dance with them. You know what I'm talking about. The music got go. The guy that danced the most, he's full of fire. That's what I used to think growing up in a Pentecostal church. But I realized that the purpose of fire is to purify you. That's what fire does. Fire purifies. Fire begins to remove the impurities. Fire begins to remove the imperfections. Fire begins to remove the lingering effects of the life that you've had to live through. The life that God has now delivered you from. Now fire comes to purify you. Fire comes to make you whole again. It's kind of like you ever talk to someone who, who got a, a fake gold neck or, or fake gold jewelry? I mean, they thought it was real until they saw green on their neck. And they're like, the, the world? It's like, yeah, they sold that at Hot Topic, but that ain't real gold. I mean, come on. thinking. You know what fire does? Fire removes imperfections. That when people are done being around you, you don't leave people marked for the worse. You ever met someone that said, I'm a Christian, but when you left their presence, you're like, are they really Christian? Because I kind of feel nasty right now. I mean, <laughs> they did a lot of gossiping in our time together. Do they speak in tongues with that, same, with that same mouth that they just gossiped about their sister, the pastor, the other preacher? Oh, come on, somebody. Fire begins to remove the impurities. Fire begins to remove the imperfections. 
And what I love about it is the purpose of fire is also this. When you know that God has forgiven you of something, no one can ever hold it against you. <laughs> I'm going to say that one more time. When you know that God has forgiven you from an infection, you can't let anyone else ever hold that against you. And that's what I love about God is I can walk into a room full of people and maybe there's some people that still want to condemn me. But if God doesn't condemn me, you can't condemn me. If God isn't going to judge me, you can't judge me. If God has taken my past, if God has taken my mistake, and if God has purified me from all of that I can walk into any room with my head held up high because I know that God has already done the healing in my life God has already forgiven me and I can stand in any environment knowing that the fire has purified my life and maybe that's why some people praise a little more than others because they've been brought through so much that they can't stay quiet in a church service. God's done too much for them to keep their arms down in a worship environment. God's done so much for them that they just can't sit there on their hands on a Sunday, but they get crazy. They get a little wild because they've been delivered and they've been filled with the Holy Spirit and they remember what they used to be before God. But now that God has come in, I'm a new person. I look different, talk different, dress different, walk different. Why? Because the fire has purified my life. Somebody clap their hands if you know that the fire's purpose is to purify. And I'm coming to a close now. Let's get ready for baptism. I'm coming to a close. So fire is our purifier. But let's get to this place where John lands. Because John's not done talking there, right? John begins to tell them, I told you Jesus was coming. I told you that I'd get you so far and that someone else would come and get you further. He begins to set this whole thing up. Then he gets to this point right here. And he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. I want you to get the order there. He must increase, then I must decrease. The order matters. The order is important. I want you to write this down. This is my last point. The increase of God in our life is the priority, not the lowering of yourself. Say that again. The increase of God in your life is the priority, not the lowering of yourself. You know how many times I've had to talk to people who thought they had to be perfect in order to get baptized? What are they trying to lower themselves? You know people I've talked to that said, I'll do that when I can get my stuff. Listen, if you can get your stuff together without God, you know what I'm saying? If you can do it in and of your own strength, you wouldn't need God. And too many people want to. I got to get low. God's not going to come in unless I get low. Here's the, you start increasing God in your life. If you make that the priority, because that's what John said, he must increase. I need to start doing the things that are going to fill me with Christ first. And as I get filled with Christ, as he begins to increase in my life, all of a sudden, all the other things in life are no longer going to tempt me like they used to. When I get so filled with the authentic, the counterfeit has no place in my life. Let me explain it to you this way. I, uh, my first uh, job out of high school was working at a bank. Before that, when I was in high school, I used to work at Cinnabon. I used to sell coffee and make cinnamon rolls. Come on, somebody. Ask Pastor Phil. Pastor Phil, we, we, Pastor Phil and I, we've been rolling for a long time. He'd find out when I was working so he can come and get my free cinnamon roll off my hands. We go like back, back. And when the berry bond was in season, oh, my God. That made me want to speak in tongues. I'm kidding. Let me get on. 
So my first adult job was out of high school. I worked at a bank. I was good at math. And so I thought, well, if I'm good at math, I can add, let's go get a job at a bank. And I got hired. I found a bank that was willing to hire me right out of high school. And you had to go through teller training, 40 hours of teller training, a full week of teller training. They're telling us systems and processes and the culture of the company and all da 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 da, da. But, but there was a part in our teller training where they would bring in counterfeit currency and, and they would show us counterfeit currency, let us know about the process of counterfeit currency. That, that lasted about maybe one hour. Maybe one hour max of our four-hour training was spent looking at and handling counterfeit currency. And I'll never forget, one of the men in, the, in our teller school rose his hands. He asked the trainer, um, we really didn't spend that much time with counterfeit currency. Shouldn't we spend some more time looking at different counterfeit currencies, the way that they're counterfeit. Shouldn't we be looking more at some of the, the other versions of fake bills and, and whatnot? And then the teller said something, and it's always stuck with me. The trainer said this. The trainer says, no, 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 we just, we're going to get you exposed to the real thing so much that when the fake thing shows up, it's going to pop. You're going to see it because you're going to know this ain't the real thing. Can I tell you that as God increases in your life, as you spend more time in his presence, as you spend more time leaning into God, as you spend more time in your word, as you spend more time in prayer, as you spend more time allowing God to increase in your life, when the counterfeit shows up, you're going to see it and know that's counterfeit. When I'm having a bad week, I don't run to the bottle. I run to Jesus because he's the one that's going to fill me. When I've had a tough week in my marriage, I don't run to weed, but I run to Jesus because weed's never going to do for me what he can do for me. All of those other things counterfeit, but the authentic and the genuine and the real is Jesus. That's the real thing. This is why Lighthouse, I've been preaching about increase first. John said, I, he must increase. When he increases, Everything else is going to start to decrease. The Spirit of God begins to increase in my life. Everything else is going to pass away. Everyone that's getting baptized, I want you to hear me good. Let the Spirit of God increase in your life daily, 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 daily. Lean into his presence. Lean into him. And when you do that, all these temptations, you might be thinking, taking a big step today, pastor, getting baptized, but man, I'm still going to be tempted. I'm still going to be, listen, that's all going to be there. Let God increase in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added. Come on, let's clap our hands in this house, and let's stand to our feet. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.